Hey, this is LOA Today, the Law of Attraction show. Welcome to LOA Today. My name is Walt Thiessen. Today is two, uh, excuse me, Wednesday, February 20th, 2013. And with us today is David Bennett, who uh, is back for a second time visiting with us today. His uh, first interview with us was uh, so popular that uh, he's kind of back by popular demand. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen that uh, or listened to that podcast yet, um, we'll provide a link in the the post page where you're finding this particular podcast. And you can click back and, and listen to it because he told a really fascinating story about his near-death experiences, two of them that he went through, and how they've really changed his life and changed his whole uh, approach to living and and uh, even influenced the fact that he's here at all. Um, one of the things that he talked about in that uh, last interview was how he is now able to, in effect, uh, do the same kind of traveling, if you will, to the other side that he did through those near-death experiences, and he's here today to talk about how he does that. So, Dave Bennett, welcome back to the program. Walt, Louise, thanks so much for having me back. It's great to be on LOA today. Oh, it's great to have you. Uh, I, I have to tell you, I, I, I hesitate to say it because others will hear this uh, interview, and I, I do love almost all the interviews that I do, but yours is still my favorite so far. So I'm really glad to have you back. <laughs> well, I'm so honored. Thank you. Thank you. So... Like we said, last time you were talking very briefly about how you're able to actually uh, instigate or initiate your own contact to the other side. You don't have to have a near-death experience anymore to do that. First of all, how did you discover you can learn to do that? And second of all, what do you do? Yes, well, I had a great mentor. Um, her name was Margaret Keene. She's no longer with us. But Margaret taught me, because to tell you the truth, uh, to go on the other side, you you have to touch that powerful, all-inclusive love that that is there, and it can be very emotional. And so, I was very timid at first at, at trying to or attempting to connect with that light again, because it 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 just overwhelms your emotions. It's it's kind of um, well, think about it. You know, when when we're on the other side, when we've left this this life, you know, we don't have this physical body. We don't have the connection to the physical sensations and emotions that this body has. So we can experience that pure love in its totality. But when we touch it and we're connected to this body, to this physicality, it can overwhelm our emotions. So you have to at first touch it rather lightly. And I was fortunate enough to have someone, Margaret, who taught me that, yes, you can return to the light at any time. The secret is to find your doorway. Um, I call it a doorway. You could envision it any, any way you can. But it, through me, for me, it's through my heart. But I know other people, other experiencers who, 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 travel to the light and back they they experience it in many different ways some may experience uh going into the light uh through the crown you know to the crown of their head or 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 other parts of their physical being but for me it feels like my heart is opening like it, it envision uh, a rosebud opening or blossoming 
Okay, and that's how my heart feels like it's opening. It's not like a door opening. It's more like a, a budding opening. And, and through that, I find myself on the threshold of the light and the love. And it's very hard for me to, to, to um, because it's, it's otherworldly to put, um, our descriptors on it. It's, it's a little difficult because, um, what I experience when I go to the light is not this physicality. It's, it's something totally different. And it, it sometimes can be difficult to, to describe. But what I find is once I center and I focus on my heart and my love and I start to feel that bud opening, then I can feel the light. I can feel and sense that love. It's, it comes streaming through my heart. And that's when I can just allow myself, because basically the one thing that, this is the simplest thing in the world, but because it's just a matter of allowing yourself to be present and be there. Um, and once I allow myself to experience that love, then I am, well, not carried away, but I'm, I become, I, I, I transfer my consciousness into a more expanded space, you might say. And because it's that expansionness that, that exists in the light that, that is really what carries us into the light. I don't know if I, if I'm making sense. Well, as you said, it's, it's a very difficult topic to discuss because the words don't really work. I mean, we're talking about using words that apply within our universe here, and you're trying to apply them in another universe that basically works differently. So you're doing pretty well, I'd say. Yeah, well, and, and you have to, before you can even do this, I think you have to um, at least uh, start your own um, transformation of consciousness. Um, you know, I, I liken it to you can look in a mirror and notice that your hair is all messed up, right? And but you can't fix your hair by wiping the mirror. <laughs> okay, you have to you, you have to attend to yourself first, and and consciousness itself doesn't really change in us. What what changes is our perception of consciousness. Um, our authenticity doesn't change, uh, but what we do is we brush away those false uh, selves and and shed the and then what happens is our higher consciousness is recalled and integrated and aligned into who we really are. So once we start down that path, it's so much easier to find that doorway to, you know, go back into the light, into our true being, our higher consciousness. You used the phrase a few times, finding the door or finding the doorway, and I have to admit that's the part that I get stuck on because... I can't say I've actively tried to connect in the way you're describing to the other side to actually journey over there, but I've tried to connect in, in just a sense of I, I want to connect. And I can get like a little bit of what feels like a kind of a warm, loving connection, but that's about the best I've ever, ever been able to, uh, to, to achieve. So I get the feeling I haven't really found the door yet. <laughs> so how do you find the door? <laughs> well, you've had that experience, uh, well, you just said that you've, you've experienced that warm, loving sensation. Um, 
go back and and explore that a little farther and and I think you're going to find your doorway because um and there's a couple other ways to to try to try to um uh bring this about uh, a little bit more in your life and is uh one is creativity but another is when we've had those feelings those those profound love feelings explore where where did i feel that sensation where in my body was that sensation and then go there explore it a little bit and and at first you're going to need you know to discipline yourself through uh, mindfulness practice or meditation to to find the focus because it does require a certain amount of focus and quieting your mind so that's where meditation is so good but also your creative creativity allows us uh, to inspire a lot of new ideas and these new ideas come from our higher consciousness so when we allow ourselves to open up to our authentic selves no matter what the outlet is you can you can go there through dance and music and writing and journaling and all of these things that are part of your creative self many times will lead you to inspiration and that inspiration is uh i think in my early days when i used to like to play guitar and i used to like to i love jamming with my guitar just just where you just play you know i, I play guitar too so i know exactly what you mean i haven't done yeah. years, but yeah yeah you know that 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 spark that you get when you just start to play and the, the inspiration just starts to flow through you i mean that's coming from your higher consciousness you're on the threshold right there and so it's just a matter then of allowing yourself to quiet yourself even a further you know bring that stillness into that and then allow yourself to just flow into that spark and let that spark become the light and the love you know you talk about the in meditation uh, achieving that stillness and i i have to admit now i don't i don't regularly meditate and i can't say i've really explored it a lot but on those occasions where i've tried to do it the one thing that I am unsuccessful at doing is stilling my mind. My mind just decides to go off on its own, and there ain't, <laughs> there ain't no pulling it back. <laughs> you know that's normal. You know it's normal for everyone. Um, and and at first you're just going to have to allow that. Just say, oh, that's a thought, and just let it go. It, it's a, at first to achieve stillness is just a lot of letting go, letting go of the thoughts. Oh, there's another one. Just let it go. <laughs> you know, and and. Um, and a good way a lot of people focus on uh, their breath breath is a great way because it's a part of your natural rhythm and and through breath a lot of times just just focus on the breath if a thought comes let it go you know just focus on the breath and through breath you start to quiet the mind a lot it, i was very fortunate because i was a commercial diver for years and i didn't know anything about meditation when I was a diver, but we did have to focus on our breath all the time. Oh, that's right, yeah. And because that was our indicator as to how we were doing physiologically when right. we were working and when we were, you know, working as divers. So when I did start meditating more earnestly, uh, I, I found that breath meditation was very easy for me because i i'm used to focusing on my breath 
And even now, after the lung cancer, even it's still very appropriate to me today. Is is mindfulness? A lot of my mindfulness practice is focused on my breath. You know, you remind me that uh, uh, when we had our first interview, it was during your your time as a commercial diver that um, you had the first near death experience. And I'm wondering. What differences are there between what happened in that experience and what you do now when you do it deliberately? Well, a, there's a little bit of difference. When I was, when I had died, of course, I was thrust, totally thrust into uh, the light. And well, first through darkness. I actually went through darkness. And I would have to say that when I go into the light, I don't experience the darkness that I experienced in death. Why do you think um, that is? You know, I don't know. And 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 up until this second, I hadn't really thought about it because <laughs> nobody had ever asked that question. But um, yeah, well, about I, time somebody did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't experience that darkness. I really felt that the darkness was just a um, almost like a staging area. I wonder if it's like fear. Um, well, it could be because a lot of people find a lot of fear in 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 that absolute void. Um, you know, nothing can can be very fearful when we're trying to shed our uh, physicality. You know, and I think I think that. But it was peaceful. It was calm. It was just totally void. You know, there was there was nothing, just darkness, before I before I entered the light. So when I go in through my heart chakra into the light now, I don't really, I don't perceive a darkness at all. So it's direct. Yeah, I just go into the light. But it's more about allowing because I know where home is. <laughs> <laughs> to describe what that means, where, where is home? Because when when I went back into the light and I was there with my soul family and all of that, that felt like home. That felt like, you know, they welcomed me home in my near-death experience. And it felt like my true home I, because I was integrating my – Okay, let me take a step back. I, I feel that when we're in this physical life, that we have a spark of our totality, of our total being, our true being, whatever you want to call it, our higher consciousness. There's a spark of that that resides within us. And it's through that spark that we can communicate with our higher consciousness because our higher consciousness still resides within the light itself. So I believe consciousness is not so much of a brain function as our consciousness, our total consciousness, our totality of being resides outside of our physical being. So when I talk about going home, I talk about my spark here is integrated with the totality of my full being in the light so that's what I mean by going home because I reintegrate myself to my whole being to so, my- so home is not here in physical world home is the other side yeah with my consciousness with my with my whole con- my higher consciousness yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay um, one other thought that comes to my mind as you're describing all this is the average person who isn't attuned to this whole concept that this, this, this feels this, this kind of spirituality is too woo-woo and so forth, 
they're going to come up with every possible explanation about why you had this that has nothing to do with spirituality, and I'm sure you get that all the time. How do you personally deal with that? Uh, well, I don't. I I allow people to be who they are. Um, I'm I'm not trying to change anyone's belief, but because there are hundreds of thousands, millions of people on this planet that are trying to find um, their spiritual source. And those that aren't and may criticize those of us that are, um, you know, I just bless them and, you know, that's their belief system. So I don't try to change anybody. Uh, if they are interested, um, I had a young man who I just spoke to uh, recently who was in the service. And, and he was – this was all new to him. But he was he was curious. I mean, and curious, and just asking questions. He wasn't trying to put anything down or anything like that. And for him, I would say that you know we have to we have to change our world view a little bit in order to go on a spiritual path. If we're looking for spiritual maturity and and becoming whole again with our with our spiritual self, we have to change our world view a little bit. Because I don't believe that, uh, you know, the world is not going to change us. We have to change ourselves. And so you have to want to, I mean, you have to be seeking or searching for this uh, to order to really to understand it. So I don't try to convert everybody in the world. That's not my job. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I, it can also be challenging just hearing what amounts to a negation of what you're believing that that just that alone can be challenging yeah you know i don't it doesn't i don't find that challenging anymore um because i i just respect that that's their belief system so if someone is trying to negate um my experience i i don't really give it any weight because they haven't experienced my life. They haven't experienced what I've done or gone through. Maybe so, maybe what, you know. that's what happens when you go through two near-death experiences. It's like, well, geez, I've been through that. Heck, yeah. <laughs> I can put up with a little <laughs> criticism. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting um, that you bring that up because, you know, one of my hesitants, because I, I was very hesitant to write my book. I was very hesitant to go out and start speaking about it publicly. But... Um, but that was my own fear. And when I released that fear and, and then it was kind of funny. I, people would respect that, I think. I think when you come from a place of authenticity, um, I don't get as criticized that much anymore because I'm just offering my authentic self and my beliefs without you know, I, and I try to present it in a non-threatening way as much as possible. But, you know, but some people are threatened by foreign beliefs. But, but most of the time, if you present it in an authentic manner, um, I, I don't, I find I really don't get criticized that much. And I think it's because we all still have our basic senses within our within each and every one of us and because we have that those basic instincts you know our primal instincts we still pick up on fear and 
you know, and we still have those primal instincts to go after someone who's fearful. So when someone is in front of you and they're being authentic and they're being, you know, within themselves, being true to themselves, I think other people, their, their primal instincts pick up on that and they respect it. That's a very LOA concept too because it's all about uh, when you stay authentic, you attract more authenticness. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's very important for me to try to maintain that authenticness. You know, we get pulled off once in a while here, this way or that way. Um, and, and I try to stay away from, uh, mob consciousness, you know, uh, because that can pull us off so quickly from our center, uh, and, and away from our authentic self sometimes. I come from a psychological background, and what I'm hearing is that your ego gets out of the way, that if you're standing in front of a crowd and your ego is up front, that anybody challenging is taken personally because it's an attack on ego, and then there's that tension. But if your ego is stepped aside, as you talked, you know, when you're in your authentic self, your ego isn't up front. Um, it doesn't need to be. And I think that's also something people respond to is that I don't even know how to describe it in words, but there's just a feeling of confidence. I think that's what it is, of self-confidence. Um, and like you said, you're not trying to change anybody. You're not telling anybody they're doing something wrong or bad or you know, you've got the better way. This is just where I'm at and what I'm doing. And, of course, if they've come to a um, presentation that you're doing, they've come generally because they have some interest. I mean, yes, there are a few people that get dragged to, um, <laughs> you know, presentations or come because that's their thing is to sit in the back or whatever and heckle. <laughs> But you're not going to get an audience full of those people. They aren't going to spend their money. No, no. You don't, you don't have any hecklers, Dave? What's all I do? <laughs> I do have the occasional uh, husband that gets dragged in, and um, yeah, you know that sort of thing. It's it's kind of funny. But Luis, I think you're 100 percent right. I think um, what I try to do is um, I've learned over time to just allow my to try to keep my ego in balance. Um, because I'll tell you, it's been it's been very trying. You know, when you come out with a book, and if the book is successful, suddenly you get all these people that are complimenting you. Yeah, we come and, out of the woodwork, right? Oh my gosh! And and I, in my entire life, I've always had trouble um, accepting compliments. It's been one of my issues. I'm working on it. I'm, really? I think I'm making some some improvement. And this book has definitely made me have to look at that um, mm. because. I, it's just, it's just been an issue of me. I, I have a hard time accepting other people's, um, uh, compliments or, uh, and, and, and I still do. And I still find myself, but now I catch myself a lot quicker and I, I allow myself to, to Boy, accept. Boy, that's the trick, isn't it? Catching yourself about stuff that, that are issues. Yeah, yeah. And then we all have issues in life, you know, and, and, and it does come, ego plays a big part in those issues that we have in life, you know, and, and learning how to balance that out. But I think you're totally right, Louise, that, that, um, when you're up there and you have a, a balanced ego or you put ego aside, you, you you then do display that confidence, and other people may not recognize what it is, but they 
but they res- they, they respect it, you know. Right, because it's not. I'm not. Words fail me. It's not. It. It doesn't irritate them. It doesn't challenge them. I think that's the word. It doesn't challenge them um, directly. Um, it's just there. It's just like you lay something on the table. You aren't throwing it into their hands and saying, here, take it. It's just on the table, and if you want it, that's fine. And if you don't, you know, no bothers. Right. And we're all looking to be authentic beings. We, we Because a lot of times the personas that we tend to create in our youth that, you know, we want people to perceive us as this way or that way, those personas, we wear them like heavy cloaks sometimes, you know. <laughs> they just weigh us down, right? So, I mean, we all really want to just let go of those cloaks and be authentic. Yeah, it takes a lot of energy to be other than your authentic self. I mean, you constantly have to be consciously aware of the cloak you're wearing and the um, persona that you've taken on. And it doesn't come naturally, even after lots and lots of work. Um, When I was a family therapist and working with couples, or even single, especially single people, talking about dating. It's like, well, if you're dating somebody, give it about six months, and if they're not being their authentic self, they can't hold it for more than six months. Most people cannot do it. Um, The facade starts to crack. Who they really are starts to peek through, and you'll see more of the real person. Yeah, it's funny with relationships. That's such. <laughs> that's when the cloaks really come on at first, right? You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> in layers. Oh boy, yeah. layers. Yeah, yeah, and that's where you have to start peeling the onion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like she says, if you wait long enough, the onion just kind of peels itself. <laughs> well, it's the same thing with spiritual development, though. Too is you have to peel that onion to know yourself first. And, and transformation is a, a, a form of integrating into all aspects of ourself that authenticity, you know. Take, take the hat off and become authentic, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's really, and, and it affects all arenas of our daily experience, our comings and goings, our work, our play, in the car, at home, you know. It's, it's everywhere. I mean, we create that sacred space within ourselves. And, 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 we carry it with us throughout our day once we start down that road of, of uh, spiritual development. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's an all-the-time type of thing. It's not something that you put the hat on, you take the hat off. Um, and what I found is interesting is once we start down this path, um, there's a sort of reversal that takes place. At first... Our transformative activities feed our life. But then there's this reversal that happens that allows our life to feed our transformation. Oh, I like, I like the sound of that. I'm looking forward to that. When does that happen? <laughs> it's, can we, it's, can we I put mean, it on the calendar? Yeah, I'll, sign me up. I'm ready. Right, yeah. Just Okay, I got a little, a little uh, smiley face. I'm putting it right on the calendar. <laughs> um, I think it's by living that art of transformation, of conscious transformation, being authentic. You know, we feed into our our authenticity to a certain point, and then once it becomes a part of our being, 
and that's when suddenly we see life totally and that and your world view is going to change dramatically at that point as well because you know you're 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 not feeding the transformative activities anymore your life is feeding your transformation uh, and it's a, an important but a difficult concept that you're putting out there i mean uh, in, in sort of a funny way to look at i can imagine somebody saying be my authentic self yeah i can fake that yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> at first it does feel inauthentic to be authentic oh yeah because you know? it's not what you're used to. No, no, you you're, 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 you haven't walked that path before, and so you've got to cut away a lot of the shrubbery that's that's covering the pathway, you know. Um, but once you clear the path a little bit, you start to find that it's it's pretty even ground, and it's it's very familiar ground because it's it's not so much that you're you're re-remembering your authenticity, you know, you're you're reintegrating what has always been there yeah it's like it's been like you said with the cloak it's been covered up and now you're free to do that and it takes so much well it's gonna say it takes so much less energy it doesn't at first because you it's the old behaviors oftentimes the thoughts the reactions the emotions um of the old way the learned way come up first and it's having to stop and think okay that's not how i want to react that's not how i want to feel or what i want to think and letting that um change or transformation as you say happen so it can take energy at first but after a while it doesn't take energy and it oftentimes creates more energy whereas the other just sort of zaps and zaps and zaps yeah, it drains you, but but when you're operating from your heart center and and your your compassionate self, it, it lightens it lightens you, and mm-hmm. and and it does generate um, a lot more energy. Um, I I've talked to other people that are have have started developing the 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 practice a practice in their life and uh, they found that they're much more productive that they can they can get more done because they have more energy because they're in the flow they're part of that universal flow that energy that that is a part of all of us and when we're tapped into that it feeds us uh, so that we have more energy to do more things and to be able to overcome a lot of life's obstacles and challenges well, you're saying that. I'm just wondering. Um, I think it was, was it yesterday morning? We woke up at 5 o'clock and didn't, was, we weren't able to go back to sleep. And last night as we were laying in bed talking, it's like, how come we're not super tired? We're sitting here and we're talking. I'm not quite ready to go to sleep. We've been up since 5 o'clock. But the night before and previous, subsequent nights, we've been putting time aside, turning off the TV, and talking um, of a spiritual and an LOA nature. And I'm wondering if maybe that's part of it, what's happening. Yeah, that's that's a practice right there in itself because you're, you're, you're empowering that LOA nature. And when, when you empower, you're, you're giving your power and, and, and sharing it and communing with that nature. Um, it, it builds. It builds. The funny thing to me is that lately 
I, I've just, I won't even go into the, the details, but the last couple of days I've had some extraordinary challenges with, with maintaining not only my authentic self, but maintaining a positive attitude. And, and the amazing thing to me is that when you, when you run into these really, really, really big challenges, these huge brick walls that seem like they're going to swallow you up, for some reason, the thing that normally is the easiest, which is, in my opinion, feeling positive, feeling positive when you're in that mode, that's the less energy uh, expended mode. That's the mode that once you're there, it's easier to stay there. But when you're not there, getting there is like the hardest thing in the world, which is, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's because we, um, we, we have these, and this is from our old, uh, old worldview, our old way of, of, of believing and behaving and, and that we have to behave in life is, uh, we put up these sudden barriers. And so you have to bring the barriers down and that takes a lot of energy sometimes, you know. Um, and I think a lot of those barriers are fear. Yeah, fear well, based. fear-based. Yeah, that's yeah. the root, uh, many times, you know. And, and when you can let go of that, Suddenly you have a clarity of vision and the obstacle doesn't seem like, or the challenge doesn't seem quite a, as, as unsurmountable as it did. A, you know? It's a stone wall instead of a high brick wall. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can step over that. Eventually becomes a rope on the lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is a weird thing. I mean, because uh, one moment even you can be in that really, really negative space and if by some miracle you can push yourself and expend the energy to get yourself into that positive space, like you say, it's like, well, what was that all about? That was like, that was nothing. Why does it seem like it was so big before? Right. It, it's, it, the perspective is so completely different. Yeah, I, I, I try to. I use, I use one technique when I, when I find myself facing a wall like that suddenly. I try to look at it, but I use love. Because I feel love evaporates fear. Oh and yeah, definitely. They, the two cannot exist in the same space. It just it just takes the fear away. It just it, the fear just evaporates in the presence of love, and so then I can have that clear vision and I can see what I need to do to overcome the challenges. You know, or achieve the spirit communication because that's another part of once I. Oh yeah, talk about that because that's something that you actually. I want to say spend energy, but that's not really it. You, you, you no, say spend time because there's no time. You, you focus on, let's say, you focus on that communication once you get there. Talk about that. Well, it, see, the neat thing about it is my spirit communication occurs all the time. When I am centered and when I am, when I'm living my life in a focused way, I get spirit communication all the time because it's my higher consciousness communicating with my soul group my soul family and so spirit communication and it's interesting because it comes in a lot of different flavors um, and a lot of different um, vibrational rates uh, yeah well it's kind of hard to explain um, like orange peppermint <laughs> well it's it's like um um, some of my soul family are very proficient at, um, at, at helping with, um, um, 
I don't know. Uh, you know, some are some are uh, more like teachers. Okay, so you could call that a different flavor, and and some are are not so much teachers, but uh, more of a, a guide type of uh, okay. energy. You know, so there there are different types of nuances to the spirit communication, and I skill sets. It almost sounds like yeah, kind of uh, in a way. So that what because as we go through our day, you know, we we face a lot of different. Stuff just comes at us these days. I mean, it's, it's coming at us so fast um, that that you know sometimes we need a slightly different vibration to the way we approach one thing versus another. You know that sort of. Thing. So my spirit communication comes from that focus from my practice. It's with me all the time, so I don't have to necessarily go into the light to receive spirit communication. I can just be doing my day-to-day and being focused and trying to be mindful and present, which is hard. I mean, that that's not something that I'm not going to ever tell anyone that mindfulness, you can learn it in a seminar over a weekend. You know, It's something that you have to start a practice. You have to discipline your mind because you have to take, start to develop the good practice, um, the right way of living your life to toward authenticity and the more you do it the more you start to build up those uh, what is it Thich Nhat Hanh used to say uh, used to do like it's a it's a library or a bookshelf or a drawers or something where every time you take out a memory um, if it's a if it's an ego based or a, a negative sort of memory um, it gets higher on the bookshelf you know so what we need to do is is bring in more positive, more empowering, more authentic memories and keep keep pulling those out of uh, out of our mind. It's it's part of a discipline so that when we're faced with a certain experience, don't go to the negativity drawer, go to the positive empowering drawer. Pull that out. And the more that we do that, the higher on the bookshelf these these volumes of ourself become present, right? So the more that we empower ourselves the more that we live authentically the more that becomes the way of being and and that's when that reversal that we were talking about earlier comes about and and it becomes you know uh, that life starts to feed the power empowering and, and and all of that instead of us having to constantly feed it but it takes a mental discipline at first in order to get to that point it's it's not something I would never try to tell somebody, oh yeah, just, just do this simple practice and you're going to become mindful. It's not, it, it everybody wow. is different and it, and you have to develop it within yourself. Uh, so, uh, well, to make a joke out of it, what we're all aiming to be is top shelf. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but of course, it's a habitual thing. It's something that, like you say, you have to discipline your mind. The discipline is one of the more challenging things because it's not something, like you say, you can't just learn it in a weekend seminar or you know just a, like a little simple practice and that'll do it. It, it, it. It's something that you have to adopt habitually and, and apply it every single day. And even that, even if you've been doing it for a while, that can still be rather challenging. What what approach do you take when you're trying to figure out, you know, you, you know you're, you're you're kind of slipping or something. You got to get yourself back into that that discipline mode. How do you how do you get yourself there? Well, I start every day. I, every day before I even before I even get out of bed, I start. It's kind of because, but I have a great 
a great motivator, you might say. Um, since my spine collapsed uh, due to the lung cancer, I live with a lot of pain. I mean, I've had corrective surgeries. My spine is no, it's it's been corrected through uh, surgical procedures, right, but, but I still, still experience a lot of pain. Yeah. And and so, and especially after laying in bed for a few hours, and it 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 it's uh, <laughs> it definitely wakes you. So when once mm. I wake in the morning, I start immediately by going into. Uh, in, into stillness, into meditation, I, before I even get out of bed, and I start what I call my gratitudes. And if this won't keep you humble and won't keep you on your practice, I don't know what else will. Because what I do is I go through what I'm grateful for. And a lot of times it has to deal with the situations. Like this morning, I was grateful for the opportunity to talk to Walt and Louise. Um, Cool. We we're grateful for it too. Yeah, you know. So I mean, but and and so I look at yes, all the positive. But I also look at the things that were more challenging as well that I'm I may be going through, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to overcome those challenges. Yeah, that's that's one I'm still struggling with. That that's I know it's really big, but it's, man, that that that's a tough decision it is, to make. It's very important because those those challenges keep us humble. Because you know, I mean, if if we were the perfect being, we wouldn't have any challenges, right? Well, that's not what life and being physical is all about. You know, it's more about overcoming these challenges. So I'm grateful for those opportunities, and and that do that correct practice of being grateful it it starts me into because I've, I've done this for so long now it, it it gets me into that quiet space because i've i've pretty much exhausted my mind with gratitude you know <laughs> <laughs> i know how that feels too you know and so like oh god not again no <laughs> <laughs> so my mind just go, goes very quiet when i and peaceful when i start being grateful my mind gets very peaceful very calm and it allows me to just slip into stillness and then i i i I kind of have this communing period with spirit where we, spirit shares reflections with me. And I, then spirit a lot of times will share a reflection in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it'll be an image, sometimes it'll be just a few words, and it'll allow me to just go into those words or those meanings, those concepts, and just allow it to, to just kind of percolate a little bit, you know. And, and then I, when I get done, I get up and I usually write down my reflections and I usually, I share those online, by the way. Um, on Facebook and Twitter, I, I'm constantly putting out my reflections and things like that. And, uh, it, it sets my day. When I do that, it's like you have to, you, you have to establish it in your day. And this is part of my practice, but I establish it in my day so that the next step that I take is in that positive, um, heart-centered, empowered type of way. You know, I'm I'm uh, um, I'm trying to live my life as compassionately and heart-centered as possible. So when I do my gratitudes, my reflections, and my stillness in the morning, the next step I take is heart-centered. And heart center means what? Well, it means that I'm living 
um, I'm living from my compassionate self. That I'm living with um, a loving intention in all that I do. Okay. So you're not looking for what everybody's doing wrong or complaining or you know looking for a fight. It's no. it, looking at the positives in the day and in your experiences and your feelings in each moment as you live your life. Yeah, with loving attention, you you start to you allow other people to be who they are. You don't judge. You discern what's good for you, but you don't judge them. Yeah, that's a good distinction. Yeah. So you, I mean, and that's how you proceed. Because with loving intention, you can love people that you discern are not really the best to be around you. You can still love them and try to empower them. Um, but you don't necessarily, with discernment, I, you still can distance them from yourself, you know, mm-hmm. because they may yeah. not be yeah. the best thing for you. Yeah, that that's probably one of the bigger challenges that people have when they're entering this whole space for the first time is realizing that you don't have to engage. You can, as you say, discern, but you don't have to engage. You can actually not engage and still do your thing even better than you would have if you would try to engage somebody else. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I, I like to observe. I really do. I mean, uh, how I learn a lot, right? You really do. You learn so much from just observation. Um, I, I, for, even in my early trying to integrate my experiences and things, um, I, I learned that, you know, by observing and observing others, um, you can learn a lot. And so I, when I see someone who is maybe doing something, oh, you know, this not, you know, not my cup of tea, then I, I will go, I, I tend to get quiet and I just observe, you know, because I try to understand where their root is because I know that fundamentally every person, every being has love at their core. And they perceive themselves as a loving person, though they may not be exhibiting it. They see themselves as a loving person, even though they may not be exhibiting it. That That's probably true for almost everybody, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's one of those phrases where you hear it and you say, well, that's kind of weird, but how weird is it? How I mean, how few people don't have that applied to them? Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, so if we can see through their disquiet. <laughs> Louise just said Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, look at Scrooge. I mean, after he had three exceptional experiences, he was able to transform himself. Because at his core, he was, you know, he was a, a loving and giving person. But he just, he had covered, he had had put on way too many cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had him in layers. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, and he had to he had to peel that onion way down to get to yeah. the core. Well, they say that you're supposed to dress in layers to stay warm. He must have been really hot. <laughs> <laughs> and transformation isn't really um, isn't change at all, but it's an unveiling. And a reorganizing of who we are and finding the divine that's already within each and every one of us.
Yeah, that old saying of you already know everything. You just have to be reminded that you know it. For so many years, it was like, what? What are people talking about? I, you know, how can I know all this? Well, you do on a basic level. Um, and it's just been, you know, that we talk about being behind the veil. Um, we've forgotten it. We've covered it up. We've been taught not to see it, not to think it, not to hear it, not to believe it. Um, but once we get quiet, or once we see other people, for me, a lot of times it's reading it or seeing it. Um, like you said, it, it resonates. It's like, wait a minute. You know, whatever was over here never really fit. You know, people told me, well, that's that's the way it is or that's how it's going to be. And friends and family told me a lot about marriage. Well, if you expect anything different than what you're seeing, you know, you're not going to get married. And I always believed that's what they've got is not what I want. And it, there's got to be something else. I'm not really quite sure what it's going to be. But I knew that it had to be different, and I waited and I waited and I dated a lot of different people, and I learned a lot about healthy relationships. And then I met Walt, and I was like, yes, this is what I knew had to exist. And that was even though my parents' relationship was not what I wanted, the relationships on TV, everything that was being thrown at me as this is what, you know, Donna Reed or even the dysfunction, this is not what I wanted and I knew it in my core that I wasn't going to settle for that. Yeah, it's so easy because uh, other people do try to throw their reality at us all the time. They know? do. And and I I face that big time with, uh, with my cancer because um, I had stage 4 lung cancer that had metastasized into my spine and uh, did a lot of damage on my spine and it was it was very very far along and and so in the healthcare community that was uh trying to help me their reality was that I didn't have long for life you know but that was their reality and I did not accept it you know mm -hmm. um, because I saw my own I saw that you know I have a different reality and a different outlook on how this is going to turn out and so you don't have to accept the status quo, you know. That that theme has come through so often in these interviews that we've been doing. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of three, four, five, six different interviews that we've done just in the last couple months, where the same message comes through. The people who are uh, facing a wall, facing a, a horrible barrier, and everybody was saying, you know, oh, you know, you, you don't have any chance. Nothing's going to work out. You know, you're going to die from the cancer. You're going to uh, succumb to this, that, or the other thing, and each time the response is no way. That's not the, what I'm seeing for myself. It's such a common theme. I'm amazed how common it was. I didn't know that theme was so common two months ago. Yeah, yeah. It it and when you see it, it and and you accept it fully, completely. That it's that it's just the way it is. That this is this is my reality. So I could go to the clinics. I could go to um, you know my treatments and such, and they and they could run around with their reality. But it didn't bother me. It didn't phase me. I didn't take it in at all because I was very secure in in the way I perceive my reality. 
Um, we have to be cutting this short fairly quickly because uh, we both have things we have to do, unfortunately, besides LOA Today, as much as we love doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're loving having this conversation with you. But before we let you go, there's uh, just a thought I wanted to share with you, and then I wanted you to um, share some information with our listeners. The thought I wanted to share with you is there was a young lady who uh, I interviewed yesterday. Her name is uh, Kelly Connell. And uh, she, well, she, like you, had a near-death experience, but hers came at the age of six weeks. And not only did it come at six weeks, but she remembered it when she was six years old and knows all about it ever since then. But the, the fascinating part about her story is that from a very early age, she was exploring all of this stuff. And she was doing it within a town and within a community that doesn't really accept it very nicely. She, she told a story, for instance, about her first grade teacher who you know, gave her the assignment to uh, uh, talk about in an essay you know, what, what she did over the weekend. And so she, she comes back with this essay about God and angels and heaven and her experience communicating with the other side and so forth. <laughs> And fortunately for her, her mother was the other first grade teacher, so her mother went and have a, had a talk with that teacher saying, look, my daughter's okay. This is this is all normal, natural stuff. She was very supportive of her. And, and the, the, the message that comes out of that is everything that happened to her every step of the way when she was young, when she was exhibiting all these uh, unusual powers and that she has, uh, I mean, she, she's a medium, she's clairaudient, all these other things, her parents were so supportive of it that she never had the experience when she was young of, oh, you're not supposed to be having that. That's not acceptable. You're supposed to block that out of your life. So it was actually very easy for her. And to this day, it's been very, very easy for her to, you know, accept that these thoughts, these images, these things that come to her are actually things for her to pay attention to, that they're, they're communications from the other side. They're, they're, they're things that are, are not stuff to be dismissed. Whereas you, on the other hand, you had it from the exact opposite perspective. You were basically thrust into it, and then after you were thrust into it, you faced a society of people that wouldn't accept anything that you went through. So you had the hardest route to travel. Yeah, and, and, I, and, and I had to face and overcome my own fear because as an yeah. adult, I – I didn't understand it, and so that we don't understand many times we fear. So I had to overcome my own fear. Right. But once yeah. once I overcame it, um, I understood that you know transformation. With transformation, there comes a responsibility to to maintain that practice and that balance in our lives, and by staying awake and aware, and living that um, loving intention. Lifestyle, because as we change ourselves, we change the world. And as you change yourself and change the world, you change yourself some more. <laughs> that, that's the lesson I get from oh, yeah. you. Because I mean, you have every reason in the world to be bitter, to be fearful, to be angry, and you're not. You're just the opposite. You've actually taken all these horrible things that life thrown at you. And turn lemons into lemonade right. in a way that most people couldn't even dream of. I, to me, that's that's the most remarkable and most admirable thing. Uh, again, it comes. Um, I think I, I think uh, Luis mentioned it's when you start to be authentic. It's so much easier, so much lighter to do. Mm. And I was fortunate enough to have such a profound experience that I saw how simple. It was in the you light. Retained it. Yeah, in the light, everything was so simple and efficient. And I was like, I want that in my life. Mm. 
Well, thank you for bringing some of it into our lives because uh, once again, and we're going to have you back some more. I guarantee you're going to get another phone call from me at some point. <laughs> but <laughs> your, your your story is so inspirational, and the way you approach life and you approach your connection to the other side is also so inspirational. So thank you for that. Before we lose you for the day, you mentioned your Facebook and your Twitter accounts where you, you share your reflections with the public. Tell people where they can find those. Yes, uh, you can find me at uh, Dharma Talks is my Facebook page, and my Twitter account is Dharma Talks, and I have a website where you can find all the links to all those things and my book and everything. It's dharmatalks.com, and uh, my book is Voyage of Purpose. And you also have a website too, I believe. Yeah, that's dharmatalks.com. Is, uh, right. So yeah. it's the same same thing over and over again. Spell tar- dharma for them too. I know we did that last time, but uh, it's a little weird, so spell it out for yes. me. Yes, D H A R M A, and then talks T A L K S. So dharmatalks.com, and then dharma talks on Facebook, and and the Twitter is also dharma talks mm-hmm. at at dharma talks. Yes, because yeah. so there's a lot of Dave theme. Bennett's in the world. So <laughs> yeah. Dave Bennett on Facebook. Oh, forget it. <laughs> well, the way Google search works is whoever gets the most links tends to be at the top. So eventually you're going to be at the top for all Dave Bennett searches, and then you're going to be in real trouble because all Dave Bennett's are going to be looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a good or, you know, that go either way, I guess. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, we're going to have you back again another time. Walton Louise, it's been an honor. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.